Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Well, it's, uh, I just have to say it is such an honor, such an honor uh, to be a part of this community, to serve, to love, to lead. Um, and we're really excited about the next season, and uh, we're excited that we will not only be known as a church named Encounter, uh, but we'll be known for Encounter, as this community has. And uh, Steve, I love what you shared. It was so, it was brilliant, um, and it's from glory to glory. I remember John sharing that uh, before we came, and he preached a message, and, uh, and it, it, it is from glory to glory. How many believe that? And, and who's ready to step in to the next realm of glory that God has for us and for our city? Uh, I, I want to take just a second, and uh, I really do want to let you know I'm honored. And I, I don't just say that. How many know we can say, like, I'm so honored, brother, and, and really we're just flattering somebody? There's a difference between honor and flattery, right? But sometimes it's subtle. And, and I'm, I, I'm not flattering you. I'm really honored, uh, and I honor you. Uh, as, a, as a beautiful people of God that God marked for revival and we just get to run with you and lead and love and serve you and so but the, uh, yes or last night in at the Vegas church Encounter Church Las Vegas uh, Harold Eberly's in town uh, and he uh, is going to be preaching and ministering I asked our leadership there if they would just pray and if they have anything prophetic to give us and last night they had a service and I've got a three-minute video of some of those prayers and proclamations and prophetic words. Harold gives us a prophetic word for this church and for this region. Who's ready to receive that? So it's a three-minute video, and then I'm going to go right into my message. So let's play that right now, if we would, please. Crank, make sure it's cranked up real good. Too. So we want to just release from our house to their house, from our house to their house, what he birthed in Las Vegas. He is now taking to New York, and he took to New York, and they are our sister church, and we are connected. And so we just bless them, and we bless you. I know that the stream is down tonight, but we will send this to them. I'll, I'll clip this up and send it to them. Clip it up, and we'll send it to them. And I just declare increase in Jesus' name. I silence the voice of the accuser and the doubters that are trying to stand in your way and I say God has called you Zach and Rochelle to that region to do a great work for him and I say again no weapon formed against you shall prosper in Jesus name we declare such an explosion of the presence of God and we honor you and we bless you and we're with you partner with your amen when you guys left here there was a power behind your yes, yes Lord. and we declare yes. now that there's an even greater power yes, be behind your amen yes, Lord. scripture says that all the promises yes, of Father. God that have been fulfilled yes, in Christ Father. are through the yes and Praise the amen Jesus. Jesus has said yes, yes to Jesus. the movement Jesus yes. is leading he's spearheading this movement yes. and we partner in power yes. with the amen yes. we even declared this song the blessing over you yes, Lord. because those are promises over us and we say amen to the promises and we declare that 
what happens in Rochester won't stay in Rochester, but it'll continue to shake the nation. We declare that the, they, they will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and they will flood the house. And they will flood the house in Jesus' name. Yes, it is the will of God. It is the will of God that they be and lead and shake the region. We speak into existence a new alignment of the hearts of Rochester and the surrounding region. Respond, respond, respond to the leadership that's been sent to you now. Respond, respond, and yield to that which God has given unto you. He has answered your prayer. He has sent in direction. He has spoken. Watch and see what he will do. This is a gift that has been given unto you. This gift will usher in what your people have been crying for. This is your destiny. Yield, yield, yield. Make room for the anointing of the living God that has now landed in this region. Bless Rochester. Bless New York. Bless this region. We seal it and declare it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And by say amen. Come on, can we give God a shout of praise? Powerful. Wasn't that powerful? Thank you, Lord. Well, I don't even need to preach. I could just let you go. But I'm going to preach anyways. Uh, Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read uh, a story here many of you are familiar with, and uh, I, I guess if I were to title this message, um, I would call it the unavoidable journey, uh, life, the, unavo the unavoidable journey. So we're going to read from verse 25. Y'all ready? I'm going to read in the Passion Translation. Um, I'm going to start there, and uh, we're going to go for it. Verse 25, just then a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. I think I've seen those guys on Facebook, actually. <laughs> he posed this question, teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered, it states, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought, and you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Jesus said, that's correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Hashtag, good luck with that one, buddy. <laughs> Verse 29, wanting to justify himself... Uh, like the way it puts in the message, it says, trying to find a loophole, the religious scholar asks a little further. He says, what do you mean by my neighbor? In verse 30, Jesus says, listen, and I'll tell you, there was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. When bandits robbed him along the way, they beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon, a Jewish, a Jewish priest walking down the same road, came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, say finally, finally. 
another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down, gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey, carrying him into a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. Beautiful. Verse 36. So now tell me, which one of these men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor? And then the religious scholar replied, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Interesting, he couldn't even say Samaritan. That's how racist he was. Jesus said, you must go and do the same as he. Amen. All right, let me dismiss you. Praise God. Pray with me real quick. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. And we're hungry. We need the love of God. We need the word of the Lord. And so we open our hearts. Would you just pray? Say, Lord, I open my heart. Give me hearing ears. And bless Pastor Zach. In Jesus' name. Amen. I need you to pray for me so I can preach. Amen. Man, I, I just love this story. And, and I, I'm thinking about the things that are going on in the world right now. And, and how many can say, man, we really need to be moved with compassion to the world around us. Amen. And I want to preach to you about this story. And we're going to look at, uh, I want to talk to you about this unavoidable journey. Um, this journey called life. This journey that has ups and downs. How many have had some ups and downs in life? Um, if you haven't had ups and downs, you're not alive. And uh, it's just, it's unavoidable. It's, it's inevitable at some point, and some people have more than others, that we will uh, experience loss, we will experience pain and things in life. Um, now, when you're younger, you don't really feel that or you recognize it and you think you're invincible and you think that you can you know, like pretty much withstand any pain or anything. How many know what I'm talking about? Especially young men. Like when I was 18, I literally thought I could beat anybody up. And I probably could. No, not really. But when, you know when you're like, you feel like you're invincible and then something happens. So I, I got saved when I was 17 years old. I was actually born uh, two years before this church was planted. I was two years old when this church started. When you were telling me the dates, I'm like, wow, I sure am young. Praise God. I feel better about myself, you know. But uh, I just turned 45, so it's almost like a midlife crisis. I got to talk to myself like that, guys, or I'll get depressed. Okay, so just, just bear with it. Um, but I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about all the crazy things I did as a young man. I did all the things everyone wished they could but didn't have the guts to do. Either that or you're just way smarter than me and everyone else is way smarter because I did really dumb things. How many did some dumb things? Uh, there was a time I was trying to get from point A to point B on rollerblades and I thought I could get there faster if I would hang on the back of a car or a bus. So I decided to ask this guy. It was kind of like hitchhiking, but it was like rollerblade hitchhiking. So I'm like, hey, can I just grab the tailgate to get a few blocks down the road? He's like, sure, bro. And it was this, this like, uh, they call them deadheads. You remember the Grateful Dead? And so they love coming to Vegas because Vegas is a party place. And, 
it was a Grateful Dead concert. So everyone comes to Vegas for this. And this guy's like, yeah, bro, just grab the back of the truck. And so I grabbed the back of the truck. Well, I didn't know he was getting on the freeway. <laughs> so I hunkered down, baby. And uh, I made it. We did about 60 miles an hour. And when you hit like 35, the wheels start doing this. So you got to like push your weight down. So I had to grab the side of the truck and push my weight down. And I was saved at this point, but I felt like I was about ready to die. Um, I did some crazy stuff. Me and my friends used to do whatever we could to get a thrill out of life, right? And uh, I remember one time my friend had this off-road truck. As if off-roading isn't fun enough, we decided let's go to the Air Force Base or around that area. We heard there was like this secret tunnel that goes into the backside of the mountain. And it's like this Area 51 conspiracy theory stuff, right? So uh, we, we go on this road, and there's this road that goes, like, up and down, like, really steep. And it's just a bunch of ups and downs, kind of like life, ups and downs. And we're like, dude, let's catch air. Let's, like, haul. And so we're hauling, and we're literally jumping this guy's truck. And you don't realize when you jump a car, it's not like T.J. Hooker, like, the, remember the old show? It's not like the movies, like, you land, we were, we were only catching about a yard of air, and we're landing all off-center, and you almost lose control landing. So we're going up and down, and we're having a blast, and then we see this, like, it looks like a tunnel in the side of the, in the, side of the mountain. And then there's a barbed wire fence, and then we look on the other side of the barbed wire fence, and there's these Air Force guys with M16s. And they have their lights on, and they're going the same direction as us with their lights on. Like, we're going the wrong direction, which is the direction they don't want us to go, which is, like, near the Air Force Base, right? So we're, you know, we're like, whatever. We defy authority. We're young. We, we need Jesus still, right? And it, we end up, like, going right next to this barbed wire fence. And then we end up getting chased by a Hummer, an Air Force Hummer. And we're like hauling, and I'm like, bro, we got to go. My friend was crazier than me. Don't hang out with people that are crazier than you if you're crazy, because then you just get more crazy. That's just wisdom from the pastor. Amen. So we're hauling, and the Hummer's chasing us. And, I'm, and this was, this talk about a rush. This was dumb, but it was a rush. And I'm, we're hauling, and then all of a sudden, uh, we're like, oh, they stop. And we went around the mountain. They didn't stop. We went around the mountain. They went over the mountain, cut us off. They make us get out of the car. They're giving instructions. Place both your hands in the air. And remember, these aren't cops. So they're like military police. So, and they have M16s. It's scary, man. And my friend's laughing. I'm like, dude, if you keep laughing, they're going to shoot us, bro. And so we end up having to get on the ground, which is in the middle of the Las Vegas desert. I had a new shirt on. I had to get on the ground with a new shirt on. I, it was crazy. Come on, just look at your pastor right now and say, you're kind of crazy. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I want to tell you another story uh, that was crazy. How many love Disneyland? I didn't raise my hand from the inside, only from the outside. Uh, Disneyland is not the happiest place on earth, but it's pretty cool because my kids like it and my wife likes it. How many love Disney World? East Coasters. Yeah, oh, so much better. The true magical kingdom. Sure. So we go to Disneyland, and I have to be happy. But I am happy because my kids are having fun. And uh, we're going on this ride as a family, and it's one of those cute fun rides. 
with fun music, and it's so cool. I love it. And it lasts 10 seconds. And you have to stand in line for two hours. I love Disneyland. So we're all waiting. And I notice underneath the area where everyone's... Now, I just got to tell you a little bit. I, I kind of have this phobia, and it's being pooped on by birds. It's not like a fear, like I need a sozo, but it's like I don't want that near me, right? Like, I, I think I dress pretty nice, and, you know, like I, I don't want... Who, does anyone want to get pooped on by a bird? I don't think so. So I notice above where everyone's waiting, there's birds everywhere flying around, having a party in the trees, and I'm like, if I stand with you, they're going to poop on me. They, 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 I'm telling you, the bird, there's a conspiracy going on with birds. They see me. Oh, that guy, Zach, remember him? Yeah, let's poop on him. I'm not kidding. This has happened to me over and over. One time I was like, I'm, I'm side, this is another story, real quick story, though. I'm, I'm saved, right? I get delivered from smoking weed, drinking, and smoking cigarettes, and I'm like, oh, I'll just have a cigarette. Yeah, you know, I've, it's been a while. I'll have a cigarette. And, and I'm a believer, right? And so I'm like, and I'm smoking. I drive, and, and I'm doing like 35. I take a drag, and I flick the ash. A bird pooped on my hand. That was God. That, that time was God. Every, every other time's the devil. So that's just how I discern it. So I'm, I'm like, you guys stay in line. When you get to the front of the line, I'll just meet you. Because it's about a 15-minute line and a miracle, right? It isn't an only 15-minute line. And so I stem back, and I'm just like, birds ain't going to poop on me. I'm over here, and, and the family's waiting. Then they get up front, and they're like, oh, honey, come on. It's about time to get on. So I run up there. I'm not standing there but 30 seconds. Guess what happens? <laughs> pocket in my pocket. On my shoulder, on my shirt. It was a nightmare. And you think hand sanitizer was popular before COVID? I've been addicted to that stuff for years. I'm like, give me the sanitizer. Give me the sanitizer right now. Wipe it off. Get, get a wipey. It was disgusting. I don't even know why I told you that story. It's just a cool story. Amen. I want to talk to you, though, about this story. And I want to talk to you about the, the journey the unavoidable journey, like how many know that there are things in life that are just, they're going to happen. Now, the, the religious scholar comes to Jesus asking him, testing his doctrines, right? And Jesus gives him not just the law, but the law on steroids. He gives him an impossible task just to show that, that, that for this man, that what he thinks can save him or help him will never work. How many know that? But I want to talk about the parable itself because as a people of God, and, and I've heard a lot of messages on the Good Samaritan, so I, I don't want to bore you with just another classic Good Samaritan message, but I want to dig deeper in the text because I believe there's some revelation in here that will set us free from, from even, you know, like, there's a lot of people that know the grace of message, and they know the grace of God, and like, the finished work, and we know the covenant message, and all of that is beautiful and wonderful, but I still think sometimes we, including myself, end up back on the hamster wheel of religion, 
And even when we read this story, so how, how many love the Lord? Like, he's amazing. And if you read the parable, and before the parable, the religious scholar asks him a question, then Jesus asks him a question, uh, answers a question with a question. Because Jesus is trying to give him some lenses to put on before he tells the story to understand the story. And how many know that the story itself is interesting? Like if we look at the actual the story where, where this man was traveling from uh, to Jerusalem and he was, was on this road. Now, if you don't know anything about this road, it was treacherous. And it was a, a huge decline. So it went from way above, not way above, but maybe 2,000 above sea level to like 1,500 or 2,000 below sea level. And this wasn't a road less traveled. This was a highway that everybody took. In other words, it's almost like Jesus is saying that, you know, there's no way around this. This is the journey of life. And this is what we, we need to, we need to look at this and say, okay, so I want to just talk to you about some of the characters in the story. Can we, can we just dive into this just a little bit? The first character that we see um, is, is the religious man uh, who is a, and I'm sorry, the first character we see is a Jewish priest. Now here's what the Bible says. He's walking down and he sees him from a distance and he moves to the other side of the road and walks past him. That tells me a couple things. First of all, a priest could not, uh, you know, touch things that were unclean. And so he was trying to obey the law. He was stuck under the law. And basically, he elevated the law above love. Now, it's interesting to me, though, like a lot of times we'll look at this story and be like, oh, that's not me. I'm free from legalism. I want you to just ponder on that for a minute. And the next character in the story is the Jewish priest. Uh, or I'm sorry, is the Levite, the religious man. And it says he came down walking and crossed over to the other side. Maybe he got a little bit closer because the first guy says he saw him from a distance and moved to the other side of the road. The next guy walks up and maybe this guy, being a Levite, um, Maybe he was bound by fear thinking this is actually, if you read commentary on this, this is actually a road where you could get robbed. It was a dangerous road because it was a common road and people would travel and bring things that were of value back and forth. And maybe the Levite thought it was a setup, so he just kept his distance, maybe got a little closer, but walked right past him. So the religious man, the Levite, was under and bound by fear. So I see these two things in here, these characters in the story. One is bound by the law, and one is bound by fear. And how many know we need to be free from both? But then it says, finally, Jesus says, finally, another man, a Samaritan, comes. As we approach the text, we have to, we have to look closely at what Jesus is saying. And he, here's one of the questions I want to ask you. And I don't know about you, but have you ever watched a movie Especially like if you're going to watch a superhero movie, Josiah. And uh, Josiah loves like Marvel movies, right? Like he loves Marvel movies. And I bet you when he was little, he would watch a Marvel movie and be like, that's me right there. <laughs> Superman, or what? No, Superman's not Marvel. So, last week, you still do that? Okay, wow. 
sorry, youth pastor. That's perfect youth pastor, right? Young at heart. Praise God. And you're a wonderful youth pastor. We just want to say that. But I don't know about you. If I'm watching a movie with my wife and it's a, it's a chick flick. Husbands, if you don't watch chick flicks with your wife, you're missing out. Because you're loving what she loves. And that's what we're created to do. Amen? But if we're watching a chick flick and it's a handsome guy and a good-looking woman, I'm like, that's me, baby. That, not the good-looking woman. The handsome guy. And you're the good-looking woman. And we're falling in love. And I'll grab her hand. That's me in the story. Have you ever asked that question? Who am I in the story? You know, it's interesting. I think all of us could say, oh, I'm kind of like the, kind of like the religious man sometimes, right? Bound by fear. I'm kind of like the, the other guy too, the priest. I, I'm under the law. Like we, we all find ourselves jumping back on the hamster wheel, calculating our do's and don'ts. And then we're like, well, I'm, I'm the Samaritan probably six days out of the week. But there's still that other day. <laughs> and, we, and we think, this is who I am in the story. But I have another question for you to go a little bit deeper. Because you don't know who you are the, in the story unless you know who Jesus is in the story. You say, well, who is he in the story? He's telling the story. Yeah, but I think there's something deeper here. Because Jesus is telling the story because this guy uh, thinks that he can do it on his own. How many know we can't do it on our own? Jesus is trying to point out the impossible task and the inevitable road, the journey that we will all suffer loss on. But where's Jesus in the story? Have you ever thought that when you're on your journey and you're suffering pain? Where are you, Jesus? Where are you in the story? I want us to jump to verse 33. Says the Samaritan came. Say Samaritan. The Bible says this. The Samaritan came upon the bleeding man, the man that Jesus said in the beginning of the story was half dead. And it says the Samaritan was moved with tender compassion. I, I would say this: that we as believers, we should be Samaritans to a broken world. Can you say Amen? Like this is the classic Samaritan. Good Samaritan message, especially now with things that are going on in the world. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of going on, right? There's all sorts of things, negative things, you know? There's even persecution against the church. Uh, there's marginalized people groups that, that are suffering injustice. Like, we as the people of God should be the ones pouring out healing upon the broken world. Like, we're created to be face-to-face -face with a broken world. We're not created to, oh, look at that guy. He must have got robbed, so I'm going to move to the other side of the road. I'm going to lock my car doors and just keep on going. The homeless guy looks a little weird, you know. Uh, he's got a little something going on there. How many know that we are called, though, to be face-to-face -face with a broken world? But before that... I would say this, maybe you find yourself here today and you say, I've, I've heard all the grace messages, Pastor, like, I'm not on the religious hamster wheel, I'm not that religious man, I'm not that priest, I don't do that, I'm not under fear, I'm not bound by fear, I'm not under law, but, you know, I'm learning to be the good Samaritan. Well, let me just tell you 
who you are in the story and who Jesus is in the story. If we look at who Jesus is in the story, I have news for you because if, if you read the text, it says the, the Samaritan was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds and disinfecting them with wine. Do you know that the Bible in, in John chapter 8 calls Jesus a Samaritan? The Jews said, well, you're just a Samaritan and you have a demon. Was not Jesus fully God? God and fully man. A Samaritan was a half-breed. How many know that, that Jesus was also a sojourner? He, he came and he was manifested in the flesh. So I believe we have to look at this story and realize that we're the ones that are half dead on the side of the road because we're dead on the inside, come on, and alive on the outside. But we need to stop thinking that we're these other characters in the story. We cannot be the good Samaritan unless we realize that Jesus has loved us when we were half dead. And the Bible says this, that he was moved with compassion and he stooped down. I don't know about you, but the Bible is clear that God was manifested in the flesh and he descended, he poured out his love upon humanity. God became human. He stooped down, the ultimate stooping down, the ultimate act of humility and love as Philippians 2 is beautifully expresses. And it says he gave him first aid. Listen, the sin problem is a disease problem. Sin is not just a juridical thing. When you are sick, you don't go to a judge to be judged. You go to a doctor to be healed. And Jesus is the great physician. And the Bible goes on. It says he poured olive oil on his wounds. How many know that the Holy Spirit is a representation of that healing oil? Because the Good Samaritan is not something that we're trying to live up to. It's Jesus coming to us when we're half dead and we've been robbed by the law. We've been robbed by sin. Come on. We've been robbed by life. And Jesus comes and stoops down and he pours olive oil on us. Come on. He pours healing. He pours a spirit out upon all flesh. And then he dis disinfects our wounds with the wine, with the love of God, with his blood that was shed on Calvary. And then it says he bandaged them up to stop. Stop the bleeding. Come on. He reveals the heart of the Father and He embraces us so we stop hemorrhaging from this sin issue. And then it says He lifted them up. I don't know about you, but the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, we have been lifted up and we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not, did you know that you didn't just die with Jesus, but you were buried with Him? Did you know you, didn't, you weren't just raised with Him, but you actually ascended with Him? Do you know that you didn't just ascend with him? You sat with him right next to him who is at the right hand of the Father. And do you know that Jesus is seated with the Father? And the Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word with is not next to God. The Word with, Jesus and the Father, the Word and God, the Word with is turned towards Jesus before time began, has been face to face with the Father. If we are seated with Jesus next to him, Ephesians chapter 2, then that means you and I are also face to face with the Father. Because the Good Samaritan is not some religious hamster wheel that we've got to work on our whole entire life. The Good Samaritan is Jesus manifesting his love on a broken humanity. And if we don't admit we're broken, and listen, that's not the same thing to say that you're trash and that you have no value. See, we get it mixed up. You are not trash. 
You're a broken treasure. We are God's treasure. And, And the work of Adam, which is not as powerful as the work of Jesus, caused brokenness to come in the cosmos. It's the sin issue. But Jesus came to heal us. He came to set us free. He came to stop the bleeding. And the Bible says he lifted him up and placed him on his own donkey. It sounds like there was a substitution there. Where we should have been, he went. And he lifted us where he wants us. Face to face with the Father. And he brought him to an end. Some would say it's a representation of the people of God, the church, the community. Then he took him on his donkey, carried him for a night, and he said, Take, he took his own money and he gave it to the innkeeper. I don't know, maybe the money is a representation of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit, the down payment. Maybe the innkeeper is a representation of the Father. And then he says, take care of him until I come back. How many know he's coming back? So who are you in the story? You can't know who you are unless you know where Jesus is in the story. And can I just tell you, even on your most broken journey, he's right there. You're not the Samaritan. And yeah, sometimes we act like we are. And sometimes we act like, you know, yeah, yeah, we've all been the other parts, but how many know every single one of us, the unavoidable, we've all suffered loss. We've all been half dead. And we need to be made alive by the grace and the power of God. We need his wine to disinfect our wounds. When we come to the table of the Lord and we partake of his, his blood and his body, his body was broken so ours could be mended. This is the gospel. And this text, I want to preach to you today to let you know that God looks at you and sees everything in our brokenness. Are you thankful that we can come to the light and admit like, yeah, I'm broken. I'm not garbage, but I need healing. And, and although in one sense as believers we have been lifted up, Sometimes we still find ourselves suffering loss and robbed on the side of the road. And then Jesus comes. He comes and he lifts us up. I'm going to tell you a story. When I was, Steve, you can come up if you'd like. When I was, uh, when I was much younger than I, than I am now, it was only like two years ago. So, <laughs> But in 2018, Uh, 2018 was a very rough year for me. I, I don't even know why. Everything was amazing except my insides. Everything on the outside looked great, but I was just broken. And I don't know why. And, and I want to just encourage you, there doesn't need to be a why. Sometimes we're so busy trying to figure out the why, we forget about the how, like how God is going to turn it around. There's, no, there's not a divine providential why behind us suffering loss or going through pain. Hear me. God works all things together. It doesn't mean he initiated all things. He can take anything and turn it around for good. Beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning. Come on, he takes what the enemy means for a curse and turns it into a blessing. I don't know why, and I don't care why. 
All I know is the how. I know how God turned it around. But as a pastor and as a leader and as a man of God, when I looked in the mirror, I saw those things. But beyond that, I also saw a broken person. I saw, I don't know what was going on. It was just a really rough season. It even came after I took a little sabbatical. And, uh, and sometimes we have these proverbial like wilderness journeys. But how many know when we come out of the wilderness, we come out stronger and more anointed? But there was a holy moment that took place. But I had to be honest with my pain. You know, we talk about in church, the grace of God, the love of the Father, and all of us like, oh, I've been to 29 different conferences on the love of the Father. I don't care how many conferences you've been to. We still sometimes don't know the Father. If we did, we wouldn't get offended over the stupidest things. We, I'm preaching myself. And I had to be honest with my pain. The end of 2018, the story goes like this. I'm at home with the people I treasure the most. My wife of almost 21 years. This month, the 30th, we celebrate 21 years in my beautiful five children and we're just hanging out sometimes our home is crazy but it's amazing at the same time you only have to experience it you have to encounter the Wexler table we have dinner you know we do our thing and Layla is she loves the platform she likes not in a bad way but she loved the greatest showman that movie and she just she wanted to perform. She always wanted to do open mic. So her and Hannah were doing a little dance routine thing. And I, I suggested, I said, hey, Hannah, put on a worship song and, and teach her how to like prophetically dance. I just thought it would have been cool, you know. So they put this song on called Sales. And all of a sudden, the manifest presence of God whew, became so real. The love of God crashed into the room like a wave. And we're all kind of looking at each other. What's going on? This was after Christmas, so we were already depressed. Christmas was over. You know, so we really needed a touch from heaven. <laughs> um, my wife goes down. I said, honey, why don't you show Hannah? And Hannah can show Layla. And they're trying to do it. And it was like Hannah was moving. And with every movement, Hannah, I remember her hand going like this. And I saw her hand go boom, 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 boom. And with every finger dropping, it was like angels were commanded to worship around her. All of a sudden, the atmosphere was charged. My sons, which, by the way, nothing can keep them from an Xbox. When they determine it's time to play Xbox, Nothing shall separate them from that. Neither death nor life, nor angels, principalities. They are on their way up and they stop. They're at the stop of the they're at the top of the stairs looking through the banister, watching this happen. Now by this time, Rochelle's down there holding Hannah and Layla. They're all crying. Why? Because God just pulled us up on his lap. We had an encounter as a family, which, by the way, that should, have, that should be normal. 
and I needed this. And I, I remember this moment. I'm like, wow, this is powerful. We all end up in the living room. We're all sitting there. And, and this was a moment that I needed. I, I was trying to be the good Samaritan. I'm a pastor. I'm the father. I'm the one who encourages everybody, but I was so discouraged. How many know those that are always encouraging are not impervious to discouragement? Most of the time, they just learn to encourage themselves in the Lord. But this time, I couldn't do it. I couldn't encourage myself. Well, maybe I could have, but whatever. I was broken. And what a, what a safe place for me as a father and as a husband to... There was this moment I said, guys, we're all here in his presence. We're all kind of teary-eyed, crying. And God's just loving on us right now. This is beautiful. But I looked at them all. I said, Dad's really going through it. You guys remember this moment? And I said, would you pray for me? And one by one, Jesus, the good Samaritan, used my bride and my amazing five kids to pour oil on my heart and pour wine on my wounds. And they prayed and prophesied. And my son David, he's quiet, but when he speaks the word of the Lord, man, it's so powerful. He's like, I don't really have a word, but... And then he just prophesies. And you know what he did? He spoke to my true identity. He said, we collectively want to tell you that you are a, the best lover and the best father and the best leader. And he just begins to prophesy to me. And he had no idea what it was doing to my inside because I kept believing the lies that I'm not this, I'm not that, and I'm not this. Because we are treasured and we are made in the image of God, but we have to let God melt away the brokenness and peel away the lies. And we need his love to do that. And I want to pray right now. I don't care if you've been saved 118 years. Let's receive the Father's love together on this beautiful Sunday morning at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Let's be a people that don't try to act like any of these people in the story except for the one that receives the love of God. If we want to be the Good Samaritan, let's be loved by the Good Samaritan. Jesus, the good shepherd. The one, it says that he came to his own people. They did not receive him. The ones the Jews called a Samaritan. The God-man, Jesus. Open your uh, hearts with me. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. How many can sense the presence of the Lord right now? Father, bless your people right now. Before I dismiss you, I just want to bless you. Father, I pray right now that the oil of heaven would pour out the sweet presence of Jesus. Break chains. Lord, heal our broken hearts. Would you just close your eyes and just receive his love? 1923, there's a hymn called The Love of God is Greater Far. I've read one of these lyrics before. I want to close by reading this that just expresses the magnificent magnificent, extravagant love of God oh love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made and were every stalk on earth a quill 
and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole. We receive your love. Behold what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of the living God. Before I came up, there was over 40 people watching online. I don't know how many are watching now, but I just bless every person watching online. Whether you're back on the West Coast or here in New York, we bless you wherever you are. We just pray the love of God crash into you right now. And I just want to tell you right now, you have value. You are not garbage. You might have some brokenness, but God is here to heal that. And you are a treasure. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this precious community. May we rise up as you lift us up in your love and walk and live this life out in a way where we don't get stuck back on this silly hamster wheel of religion, trying to be somebody else in the story, realizing we need to know who you are in the story because you're with us and you love us and you heal us and you've saved us. And we thank you for that. And we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Would you just seal it with thanks and praise right now? Come on. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.